really easy for us to get, like uh, she was saying, offended or kind of feel, man, like maybe I'm not doing it, maybe I'm not measuring up what my uh, potential is. This is not a calling out by any means. This is a calling up. So this is to encourage you and to support you and to say, hey, God has truly given you all the attention in the world. Now it's truly up to us to walk in. Mm-hmm. And so never feel like, you know, hey, like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so bad or I'm hurt. But truly, this is a healing process. And you don't know what you don't know. And the point is to grow. So that's what this is. And that's obviously what you guys are doing as a team to better yourself as a unit. Mm-hmm. So what I want to start with and how I start a lot of my talks is just let you know this is my beautiful wife, Mackenzie. <laughs> so literally, I don't think... I don't think until you're truly married, you understand the importance and how when you see like a pastor or a speaker and he's male, like the only way he can be up on stage and do what he does is because he has a maiden wife. So I want like just like it is so true. It's always one of those things for us. Uh, and the last talk we gave, you know, I was like, oh, good job, you know, what I was like, honestly, like it, if it wasn't for Mackenzie, I couldn't have done it. Like just having her by me, it gave me peace of mind to then direct my speaking. So I appreciate it. I want to say. Um, so when I give uh, presents, I try to set the stage as to get you to understand that what kind of my goal is for you to receive something instead of just you know, getting information. And there's two. I like to uh, set the stage, but there's two moments we can uh, um, set the stage for. One is a jacuzzi kind of moment where this feels good. Hey, motivational. Hey, that felt good. This uh, I like what I heard, but tomorrow. I don't see any fruit from that. And we all go to a seminar, we have all gone to like, you know, meetings, like, man, that, that makes sense, I like it. But then a year later, we're still in that same position. So it felt good, but it didn't lead us to change. So the other one is a pivotal moment. And this truly allows you to, when you walk into a room or you walk into a sermon, a seminar, and you hear something, truly you can never be just the same after that. And so there's a choice here. And that's the beautiful thing that God has given us choice once again. I specifically remember when I was 14 years old, I came home and I told my mom that I made a choice. We always spoke on how big Joe was, but realized I was really big as well. As a little kid, so we lived with my mom, our dad owned a dairy queen, we were large and in charge. So when people see us now, they're kind of like, oh, you know, we used to always focus, like, that's where they're at, that's where they've always been. I'm like, no, that is not where we've always been. So, uh, so with saying that, uh, I just want to really encourage you that in that moment, I made a choice. And that choice was a pivotal moment, a decision to move forward and to never go back to where I was. And when you look at the word decision, which is one that I really think we overlook, it's, it comes from the Latin word day and kiter. Day means from, kiter means to cut. So when you make a true decision, you cut from right there the possibility of ever going back to what you left, and the only thing you're on sale for is what you are truly uh, in search of. That's good. So when you are, once again, wherever you're at in life right now, you want better, you truly have to make a decision to get there. This isn't something that you're just going to walk into. There's nothing in life that we can just leave at the status quo and it's going to improve. Um, it's called the law of entry. Truly, if you do not make an adjustment, the natural law is to get worse. Which is, you know, truly, to me, mind-blowing when you think of that. You know, the saying is, if the tree's not growing, it's dying. Mm-hmm. So where are we? And to identify, are we truly living what God's full potential is for our life? And especially with your creative uh, team, I think you need to understand the importance of that, how truly God has given you a gift, and that gift is to be honored and stewarded, and to make sure that, hey, it's flourishing. Because, that's, you know, when you come from you know, my perspective, I wish I could sing, I wish I could draw, I wish I could write so very non-creatively gifted. So it's like when I see you guys, I'm just like, I want to do all this. <laughs> but you know, saying so if I get it, it's really easy to take things for granted. Um, now, <laughs> well, I was gonna say, um, I just heard this quote by John Maxwell today. Really impacted me. It says, today you're either preparing for tomorrow or you're repairing from yesterday. And so from what I took from that was, but what if we prioritize our health, the gift of life that God has freely given us, by preparing so consistently that the repairing happens as well? 
And that's by putting the effort towards the priority of, of life, and that will create the healing God desires to take place. Because with our choices, that healing is stolen. And so we have to gain back and allow Jesus to have that space to come and heal and heal those moments. That's so good. And that's my miracle. <laughs> um, one thing I want to hit on is from the last talk we gave, one of the biggest things when I heard, uh, and honestly, it's when, whenever you know, Pastor Ness, Pastor Dave speaks, uh, one of the things like, hey, what'd you get from that? What'd you get from that? So, you know, whatever sermon or talk. And my challenge is for you, it's not so much what I want you to get from this, but I, it's more what can it get out of you? We all have things that we need to adjust, and more information is not going to help. So it's truly what are we willing to drop and leave at the altar and say, like, God, hey, this isn't of you. It's not glorifying you, so I don't want it in my life. One amazing quote, especially with this creative night, I thought was super uh, on point. It says, when help is absent, wisdom cannot reveal itself, art cannot manifest, manifest, strength cannot fight, wealth becomes useless, and intelligence cannot be applied. Oh, wow. With reflecting upon what we were to speak on, this honestly was one of the more difficult talks we put together for the fact that beyond just like a leadership talk, but it's a creative talk, and for you to really understand, you know, how the creative mind works is more not analytical, it's not like fact-driven, but it's purely, you know, just show me, and then let's paint a movie about this. So, this uh, Sunday when we were at the Chesterton campus, EJ, who was absolutely annoyed that I wish he was here, because I was going to ask him if he was singing the song for us, um, <laughs> during the song, Spirit Lead Me, it literally like wrecked me, and I like you know, looked at him and I was like, "These layers, we need to break them down and go over that on this creative thing." Because it got truly gentle to me. Where it's, like, it's so simple to sing, but are we living? You know, are, are these words that we're saying are these truly our actions? Right. Are we just you know when we're going through the, the whole range of motion of the the, the the daily life of saying like, "Hey, like, yeah, we're a Christian," but then you know, what's where's the fruit? Mm-hmm. Well, what does it truly look like to say, "God, if, if you say no, I'm letting go." You know, it's so simple to sing it, but then when we do it, that's another, that's truly another uh, uh, challenge. Um, Trevor, will you play that video for me? And so, if anyone knows, this is Michael Ketter. This is the one who, or this is the gentleman who actually wrote this song. Hey, my name is Michael Ketter, and I'm here to talk about the spiritual aspect behind the song, Spirit uh, several months back, um, I was out leading worship with my friends, and we got on the topic of obedience and how obedience is the ultimate worship that we can have to our Father. And um, it brought me to this scripture, and I've read it a hundred times before, but it's 1 Samuel 15, 22, and it says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Yes. And, you know, this song... Spirit Lead Me is all about that, um, you know, the lyric that says, if you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. And I think that's something that um, our generation, and it really uh, needs a revelation of. If the Father said it's wrong, then it's off limits, and we uh, need to walk in that obedience. And actually walking out in that obedience is pure worship to Him. Um, the other thing is, if you say release, let it go. And you know, sometimes I, I feel as in my own life, there's things where I just want to hold on to, and, and I'm not truly free until I'm actually able to let them go and let the Father take over them. And, I, and if I release and I give it to Him, mo- mo- most of the time, um, those things begin to prosper in His care, because He knows so much more, but a, a way above anything that I know and understand. The lyrics to the bridge are so powerful to me. They mean so much to me. You know, me and my wife, uh, when we went on, when we embarked on this adventure and on this journey of adopting our kids, we didn't fully understand some of the trials and the things we were going to have to walk through. Um, but the lyrics of that bridge go like this. It's like, when all hope is gone and your word is all I've got, I have to believe you still bring water from the rocks. And how many times have we, as believers, have been in that place where nothing makes sense at all but his word? And that's why um, it is so important to obey and understand that He 
understands and that he knows and that he already has a plan of action set in place. And all we need to do is just follow his word, follow his lead, follow the Spirit's lead in everything that we do. So my prayer for you is that as you listen to this song, that you would have the courage to say no to your feelings and to say yes to the leading of the Spirit every day.
in this corner, or in this corner, you have like the do, what you do, what you continue to do, and this is your result. But in this corner, if you don't have your belief system stable here, the do isn't going to fall, and then you're not going to get the result. But if you have the belief system set, and the priority, and the why behind what you're doing, the do will become easier, and the results will happen. So statistically, it shows that we're in bed, we're We'll put it this way. Has anyone made some New Year's resolutions? Who did it? We got one kid. Great job. So, or oh, if you don't want to raise your hands. Or goals. Or like, goal. this year yes. I'm going to do this. Or yes. I'm going to set out, I'm going to try this this year. You know, right. not necessarily right. resolutions, but yeah. that. So, once again, if anyone has set goals, why not? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, we have to. Now, 80% of those have already been failed. So that's really evaluating when you back like, dang, why do I keep feeling it? And that is where if our belief system isn't rooted in the proper place, then it's just going to be all action-based, and truly action is just going to fail soon, again, as soon as the first temptation or the first, the first option to do something different comes up. Yeah. Um, and then you'll be frustrated, you'll look at the results, and go, well, it's not for me. And it is for you. Help is for each and every one of you. That's the amazing part. Is that God's giving you every ounce of potential that you, He wants for you, and He made it for body, self, healing, self regularly. But it's also an action that health us. That's the part that I think a lot of people miss is we see people and we just assume that, like, man, you're lucky. Good job. Like, you know, and it's like, no, you're seeing someone's highlight reels. You don't know the work, the sweat, the tears, the agony, the, you know, the time studying, the time uh, focusing. And while you're doing one thing, they were doing something productive. And if we have a goal that we want to be something in life or be somewhere, who you are to be, you are now becoming. So what you do today makes you your tomorrow. That's it. And if you're not doing anything today, you're going to get the same result tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's where frustration happens because then we're not looking at, okay, how can I actually better myself? Then it's really easy that the enemy then plays a lot in your mind saying, hey, it's not for you. They're better. They're born into you know, a better situation. Yeah. And that is one of the, the biggest lies. Um, one study found that they had two identical twins separated at birth. One went to a very wealthy family. He was given everything he needed to succeed. And the other one went to a more uh, harder circumstance family. They were not wealthy. He had to work for everything. Parents were drug addicts. Now, when you look at them in the future, you have one child who was given everything who then lost it all because it was, it was given him. He didn't work for a thing. You have another child who literally had to work and scrounge to be who wanted to be and said, I'll say, I was, you know, I just choose this life, but I'm going to choose to be better. Yes. And they had, like, um, the, the income is, you know, millions to literally hundreds of dollars. It's, it's a, a huge transparency. And when you see that, you're like, well, they're born from the same genetics. Why was there a different outcome? Because they chose to be different. One said he would, you know, his goal was to um, never be in a situation where he couldn't provide for his family because he saw how much that hurt him. Yes. The other one never saw that because everything was given to him and he lost it all. Health is truly that where it's stewardship. Are we just focusing on, man, like, I have this, I haven't paid anything for this, but someone did. And that's Jesus. And the thing is, is that our body is not our body. So how are we stewarding something that's not in ours? First Corinthians 6, 12 to 15 says, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could, uh, whatever I thought I could get by, whatever I thought I could by with what I had, I'd be a slave to, the, to my whims, to my urges. You know the old saying, first you eat to live, and then you'll live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is the only temporary thing, but that's not that's not, not an excuse for stuffing your body with food and indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with the body, honor him with your body. God honored the master's body by raising it from the grave. He'll treat yours the same resurrection with the same resurrection power until that time remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. You wouldn't take the master's body to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not. There's more to sex than, than your skin. Sex is much more than spiritual mastery. And just point out, 
we're talking about how do we get from food to sex, that's literally exactly. So when you're looking at when, because I was just like, wow, that escalated really fast, food to sex. Um, but it's identified, it's, but it's, it's, it's what our, our flesh craves. And I know we look at that and we're like, wow, how is that possible? But we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We didn't pay for this. Are we honoring it? Whether it's something that's physical going on, which still affects us spiritually, or is it something that we just look at our body and say, like, hey, it doesn't matter where I've been, because no matter what, at the end of the day, that's just what, you know, it's kind of like, this is all I have right now. It's, but it's really saying, if this is a temple, what do we do with temples? We worship. I think one of the biggest errors with when we look at the body saying, like, or the Bible saying, our body is a temple, is we don't understand what a temple is. In our modern day, you know, we don't have anything that's, you know, blown up or you know, we don't have anything that's you know, these magnificent buildings that are uh, in person to, to uh, praise God like, you know, they once were. But it's truly a position of prayer, a place of uh, worship, and to say it, you know, so, um, honor. It's like, are we honoring what we have? Or is, are we coming from a place where we take advantage of it and then when it's on the verge of losing it, then we'll try to be proactive and try, you know, try to get back and feel that project being reactive. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, you realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God, and God himself is present in you? No one will get by by vandalizing God's temple. You can't be sure of that. God's temple is sacred, and you, remember, are that temple. My struggle with tying relationship with Jesus and health was when I come across Christians who say, well, if, I, if I'm going to be healthy, God will make me healthy. It's just pure, like, if I'm, I'm going to be healthy, I'll be it. But I don't have to do anything for it. And for a while, I was always stumped. I was like, hmm, it's good. Like, I was, it was a challenge. You know, in such a way, they were saying, if God wants me to succeed, if God wants me to have uh, success over that, um, we'll call it a war in my life, well, then he'll just give it to me. So then I came across this in Exodus 17, 11. As long as Moses had his hands, the Israelites were winning. Has his hands raised, or they were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amorites were winning. So when you're looking at that, you're looking at when Moses had his arms, his physical arms, in a posture of obedience, he had spiritual success. That spiritual success led to then physical success. They won the battle. So truly, we can look to see God is telling us to do something physical with our body. That's not just all pray, you're going to be healed. But it's saying, hey, if you're still smoking and you have lung cancer and you want to be healed, you might have to do something. Yes. And that doing something is doing something different that is promoting health versus taking away. That's where the power of choice is so powerful. Yeah. Uh, we get the opportunity to choose. We get the opportunity to turn away from and to stop holding hands with Satan in certain areas of our lives. I think um, oftentimes it's easy to get down and out of feeling, I'm not worthy enough for this. I'm not good enough for this. Or, or I'm, I'm waiting for a sign. I'm waiting for tomorrow. Or at the beginning of March, at the beginning of the year, I'm going to start. I'm going to start. But it's like, if you're looking for a sign of like a starting point, I'm giving it to you right now. Because I'm encouraging you that tomorrow, today is, is, is not too late. Like it's time to start of turning back and like, oh, instead of just keep pushing it off. Because it's just like pushing off the love of Jesus. Jesus wants more of us so that he can give more of himself to us. So in that, of the more, there's so much like a height-wise of our health. Like Brian and I, We'll never reach a place of success in our health. It's just, it just is not obtainable. We will continuously always be striving for that. We will never reach a perfect place in our Christianity of who we are in God. We will always be continuously doing that. So the, the pressure of, okay, I have to have it all together, and i got to eat the right things, and i got to work out for this much time, like that is not on you. And if you feel that pressure, if you feel that fear, that is not from Jesus. That is directly from Satan, and that that's an opportunity for you to bring that to Jesus and say, okay, I'm having this. Let's go to the root of it. What's your truth here so that I can take that forward? Okay. So quick question. Trying to be interacting with the talks. Who here 
was healthier today than they were a year ago. We got some hands, good. Now, who here is healthier now than they were, you know, five years ago? So we're seeing some, any hands that are up, then they're being proactive, they're, you know, so they're changing once again where they're at. So the goal is always to be, you know, advancing. The Bible says we move from glory to glory. And what part, you know, is that, in my life, the way I look at that, the way we look at that is in every aspect of our life, we are to go from glory to glory. So our saying in our house is better, better by 70. I want to be healthier at 70. I want to be having more vibrant life at 70. I want to you know, have a, a better marriage at 70. To always be going from mountain to mountain. You know, understand that, yes, there's battle in between. So there's a struggle, but only through the struggle you get stronger. Yes. So really focusing on that right now, you might, this isn't like someone's going to make guilt trip. Right? You need to say, okay, like, you know, we're not healthier. This is where we're at. But it's saying, do we want to be better? Are we truly honoring God's temple? Because once again, it's not our body. It's God's body. Mm-hmm. Now, should we, a form of worship is simple obedience to honor that body. I was listening to uh, the pastor who wrote the, um, the Blessed Life. Um, yes. He was really challenged with, he was praying to God, and God gave him a dream. It was during a, he, he was doing a devotional at someone's house, and it was about tithing. He was like, God, really, he was just telling him, hey, the tithe of God's, that is literally the first to go to God no matter what. He's like, why can't you get it? It's already God's, and we give it back. It's just one thing, simple obedience. The tithe belongs to Jesus. And then God said to him, well, so did your body. Are you honoring? Do you understand truly that what you have is only because someone gave something to you? That's really took me back to this. It's so interesting how on platforms we hear preachers talk about, you know, everything but physical health. We can talk about finances, marriages, you know, anything relationship-wise, but we don't ever talk about health. And truly, I think it's that's because it's really hard to talk about something you don't have. It's hard to want to be a role model if you aren't walking it. And even uh, that pastor even said himself, he said, "God, I will, I will preach on this when I achieve it." And he said, "No, don't do that because by you preaching on it now, now you're accountable to your congregation." That is one of the, the biggest blessings of our life is we live our life to be role models. And so if someone sees us out, we are accountable to everyone. And that's really, as Christians, we are to be set apart. Which to, when people see us, they see something different. We live our lives differently. So if someone's going with the norm, and if I find myself going in the norm as a Christian, that's really where I try to rise above and say, no, I'm going in the opposite direction because I don't want to go anywhere near with the norm. So I don't want someone to confuse me with what's going not being a Christ follower. And truly, a Christian is a little Christ, so we should look differently and expect our lives to look differently. For those who weren't here at the Fed Talk, I asked a question. What is your number one asset here on Earth? This is going to be interesting. So, Jeremy, what would you want? If you could, like, in the grand scheme of everything, what is it? So, an asset... Just giving you a definition. Is something useful or valuable? What is your number one asset? Or let's say not number one. What are three assets in your life? Just like material? Like, I don't know. Most people say like their family. So the first time I asked Joe this question, he goes, Chrissy and Gwen. So that, that was. And I was like, well, yeah, no, so maybe it wasn't born yet. Man, I am not a good person to start with. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. You I mean, my family, obviously, but yeah. I'm like trying to think of. It's okay. You know, and, uh, so here's the thing there's no, like, oh my gosh, like, right, wrong answer. It's really just to engage you because the only way how our brain works to, to learn is to, to have to answer questions and truly uh, figure that out on ourselves to say, like, man, like, I'm challenged right now. So instead of, you know, hey, is the answer A, B, or C, it's like, let's figure this out like together. Let's walk through this. And so the, the Latin word for uh, um, doctor is teaching. So the goal is to then teach people, like, walk alongside you, be there with you, and be like, okay, let's, let's look at this. What is an asset? Something that's valuable, something that, you know, is uh, uh, truly um, a, a possession, a prized possession in our life. So, you know, for instance, your family, 
job, things that are good to you, that when you look back at your life, you're like, man, my life would be way harder if I didn't have that. For sure. Yeah, you know, and that's like, you know, when you're a Christian, spot on. Now, my response to Joe when he said that was, hey, that's great. Well, let me ask you this. If you don't have your health, what are you to Christian? An asset now into a liability. Because if I can't be the provider, if I can't be the man of the house, now Mackenzie, you know, that needs to take care, take care of me. She's having to then, you know, work another job. She's having to do everything to provide. Now, again, something that wasn't asset in myself and not in my, my liability. So when we're talking about getting healthy, it has to be bigger than you. It has to be bigger than I want to back. It's like, okay, once you get your families, I'm sorry. I think we get so fixated on this concept that when we look at these, you know, what Hollywood has transformed our mind to be what health is, it is literally the manipulation from the enemy. We're seeing ornaments when God made us to be instruments. Now, if we can actually follow, walk in that instrument where we're being used, we're actually functioning for his kingdom, that is where you'll see someone to lurch, and that's where you'll see someone wants to walk in their calling. The goal is to want to, to walk along, not only Christians, but even you know, people of the world in our offices and say, like, hey, you might not know it, but God made you for something. Whatever this thing is holding you back, we're going to break through that and get you to beyond where you thought, or thought you could be. And the greatest thing about that is it doesn't depend on any doctor. It doesn't depend on someone in the hospital. It doesn't depend on me. But God put a doctor in each and every time one of us. It's our ability to be self-healing self-regulating. If we're not self-healing self-regulating, we need to ask ourselves why. When we can hone that why, then we can truly grow. And just some food for thought before we finish for questions. Then we're going to take a break and go to questions. Is there anything more important to you than your health and the health of your loved ones? Because once again, if you don't have your health, it makes life a lot harder. And of course, yes, Jesus is the great answer to say he's the most important. Okay, Jesus had a body. Jesus laid that body down once again for your body. You can't get the hands of Jesus unless you can function. And just like John Gray said during the last video, what if, if the goal to get us to get to heaven, that's a really simple goal. A lot of people have had on their deathbed. They lived a life completely against Jesus, and then for, you know, they accepted him in his heart, they get to heaven. But my goal is to live to bring heaven here. Yes. And walk in that every day. Yeah. And that's my hope for each and every one of you, that if you're not seeing the fruit that you want, then let's look to not only Look at the roots. Let's just see how deep does this go? Because you can't have healthy fruit if you don't have a healthy tree. You can't have a healthy tree if you don't have healthy roots. You can continue to move after the soil. So it's truly, you know, always going deeper and deeper and deeper and say, this isn't just an aesthetic thing, because looks can change overnight. But do you still want to be healthy? Yeah. If it takes you nine months to get rid of that knee pain, are you willing to do it? If it takes you nine months to you know, walk a mile, when today you can only walk 500 feet, like, are you willing to do that? Like, I think we all want success overnight. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Anything worth having takes time. Yes. And with this, uh, right now, this uh, time of that we live in, of immediate gratification, unfortunately, that's really a tactic that the enemy uses to derail us and keep us halted with where we're at. Yeah. And then we look forward, and we, you know, we see our friends doing something weird, and we're not, we're wondering why, and we start comparing ourselves. And we say stuff right there. And if he can keep you stuck in the dark, there's no healing that happens in the dark. You can't heal in the place that you got sick. Your environment will dictate the quality of life you have in your health. So you have to change your environment. Mm -hmm. Mike, um, it's been proven that uh, emotional ties, spirits, uh, demonic spirits are tied directly to health. So whether it's like, it's just boiling down like, okay, you need the right things and you're having such a struggle with it, or even mental health or uh, just you name it, anything that would keep you from being in your optimal health um, can be tied to demonic spirits. And so if there is something that is rising up in you that you're feeling like, okay, this is beyond just me consciously making a choice. But there's something that 
unconsciously that we don't we don't really realize it because we could just continue to do it because we were made that way. But there's choices that were made from the from the generations before us that they chose to partner with spirits knowingly and unknowingly that have been passed down to us that we just continue to operate in. So if you look at your family, well, my mom had heart disease. My grandma has heart disease. My grandma had a breast cancer. I'm going to get my breast removed because I believe I'm going to have breast cancer. Don't you think somebody partnered with something that allowed you to believe that lie and you're unconsciously continuing to operate that way? So to, to get you thinking of like, okay, Maybe you don't know exactly where that is rooted from, but I want to give you the opportunity to go there. Um, I have had training to, to walk people through freedom sessions. Um, we just don't have the time to do it today, but if that is something that's rising up in you that you really want to handle that, I would love to walk you through that. Um, if it does need to go deeper, I don't have the full training, so I can refer you also to other freedom coaches, but just to know that it goes beyond just the surface level. There are rooted issues that we, we didn't even choose to, to do with, but we get the opportunity to go back, plead guilty for that, sever the tie, quit holding hands to Satan so the generations before us can continue to walk in their optimum selves in the way that God designed them to. So good. And that is one of the most powerful things truly see because it's one where there are generation ties that we have we're not, we're not accountable, but we're reaping the fruits of it. And it's, it's you know, we didn't we didn't sow the seeds, but we are definitely in the seeds growing up. So And it's um, the choice to say, I'm stopping now. I'm the reason. Like you made that decision to accept Jesus into your heart, but that didn't mean to so say twenty two year old me or you decided to, to accept Jesus in your heart then, but that doesn't mean 21-year-old, 20-you, 8-year-old you accepted Jesus. So going back and accepting Jesus into all of you and integrating that into who you are today and allowing healing to go into all of who you are and the generations behind you, so then it can continue. Because it's just that choice of making, it's stopping with me. And so just to keep going so that... Um, Jesus can work with the generation before us because I, I want for my grandkids to be farther than me. And I'm sure all of you can say the same thing. So just saying, like, it starts with me so that they can be better. Some of you might not fully grasp that. Michael Todd is a phenomenal pastor. He actually taught at um, XO, um, one of the XO conferences um, at Jeremy Foster's church. He goes in and really in depth to, to identify that the struggles that he had with infidelity and you know, pornography. He went to his dad because he's like, this, this had to come from somewhere. His dad laid that, that's or so that seed, but him and his brothers were, were reaping the fruit of it. So once again, they didn't want it, but they were accountable for something that was already so important. Um, one quick thing I want Trevor to throw. So uh, one of the coolest things that I found uh, while researching is when we're thinking of the Sistine Chapel, and we are thinking that of God touching Adam. Right, touching man, that's the picture we see. Can you throw it up, Trevor? So this picture right here, I just wanted to talk about this, just because once again, we're at a creative night, and I want you to see something that blew my mind when I found this out. So we always see this, and uh, what historians found was in 1980, or the 1980s, they actually went through and actually did a, uh, essentially a revision, a cleaning of the Sistine Chapel, and where God was touching uh, Adam. Because at first, it was very dark, so the idea was, that Michelangelo depicted God as very dark. He didn't want to. He wanted to show that him and humanity were separated. There, there was, there was a darkness between them. That there wasn't any light. There wasn't any, any beauty. But it was more of a disgrace. But what they found was there were so many impurities impacted on this. And once they were actually starting to uh, scrape them away, actually clean them away. We have the next picture. They found that Michelangelo actually used some of the most beautiful and vibrant colors to depict God touching Adam. What's even crazier, when you look at Jesus, or when you look at God, we can so focus on just where he's at, but that's actually a picture of our brain. You know the next picture. So that is a picture of a brain that is obviously laying straight over that picture of just the heart. And with Michelangelo's history and anatomy, what's even more amazing is where his, uh, where God's hand is going through the brain is called a prefrontal cortex. That is your creative center. 
That is your ability to truly, yeah, well, I'm sorry, that's not just your creative, that's one of like, the attributes, but that's also your ability to, your, your, your being a good manager, good decision maker, good um, person who can actually function at a higher level. Yeah, to have a sound mind. Exactly. Now, when they do spec scans of, unfortunately, people who do really horrific events like, you know, mass shootings, they do um, bombings, that area in their brain is never developed. So once again, we can just we can focus on some outside appearance. Their inside appearance shows something completely different. And unless we do a brain scan, we don't know that. So it's really easy to judge a book by its cover. Can you go to the next picture for me? So this, uh, the bottom section is the one I really want to focus on. Below the right arm of God is a sad angel in an area of the brain that is activated on a PET scan when someone is experiencing a sad thought. God is superimposed over the limbic system, which is your emotional center of the brain, and possibly the anatomical counterpart of the human soul. God's right arm is extended through the prefrontal cortex, the most creative and most uh, uniquely human aspect of our brain. So when we look at it's not chance how we were formed. Wow. The scary thing is, and I, this is from Dr. Uh, Daniel, I mean, he co-authored the Daniel plan. It's not any other. Uh, and I want to go away because this is a, I can see this being a very controversial statement. It said, when the brain works right, you work right. And when the brain is trouble, you have trouble in your life. If you really think about it, it's very disturbing because the principle, because this principle actually directly attacks the notion of free will. Most of us think, oh, we have 100% free will. Free will is a brain function. And if your brain's not right, your judgment, your impulse control, your ability to follow a diet is not going to be very good at all. So free will is dictated upon our brain. Getting back to when we see someone, just because they're a human doesn't mean they are actually acting like a human. And that comes back to how we can say, oh, how did that person used to do that thing? We don't know because we don't have, we're not in that place of mental capacity. Now, you know what directly affects your brain function is what you eat. And I'll leave with that. So then you can go and ask questions, or we can just literally go through your questions right now. So then, um, first thing that's my best way, that's how I learned. So that's how I prefer. Questions, comments, concerns? Yes. So, what are like just some top tips that like <clears throat> we can practically take that's just like beyond like so if we have a belief system what are some do's that we can do now just to like tomorrow we're going to do it we're not going to think about it we're just stepping into it what are like three things or however many things to do um yeah so i can we, we get asked this question a lot <laughs> and so i actually have a blog post coming out on it to like just for time sake. but the four things that we kind of generally came came with was um sleep getting a good amount of sleep um there's a thing that I've heard that every hour before midnight that you go to sleep is like two hours of sleep. But every hour after midnight that you get to sleep is like a half hour. So if you're going to bed at midnight and you're waking up at 12 o'clock the next day, sleeping 12 hours, but you're still exhausted, it's the quality of sleep that you got. Um, the second thing would be add, add, add. So instead of like, oh, I gotta cut all this off, all this out, but instead like, add greens to your plate instead of, you know, whatever. But just adding things, because as you continue to add, you're gonna notice things will begin to fall off, but not focusing so much of, this has gotta cut out, and this is, there's gonna be times when you're gonna have to do that, but just focusing on like, look what I get to eat instead of what I don't get to eat. Um, and then water, uh, the basic thing is like, just getting your, your body, I think the percentage is like 75% of Americans walk around dehydrated. That is crazy. Everybody needs water for their bodies to operate. Every organ needs it, every, your skin, everything needs it. So just getting an optimum amount of water, um, drinking your body weight in ounces or from half of your body weight in ounces or full, uh, just depending on how much you desire to drink, but um, just making that a goal and just going for it. And then, um, I forgot the fourth thing. Move. 
Just move. If you sit in a cubicle and you have the option to stand, or if you can sit on a bouncy ball instead of a desk chair. Um, if you have breaks at work, I don't, I don't know what everybody does here, but if you can walk, you know, while you're, you have your breaks, or if you can be on the phone, but walking um, and just moving. We're, we're not saying they have to go run a marathon or do a crazy amount of crunches or push-ups or anything like that, but just getting your body in motion. It gets your blood flowing. It gets your body just moving and, and working the way that it's designed to do. So those are the and I think it's so easy for us once again to look at, okay, you know, we know Joe does this, or you know, uh, um, Tina does this, and it's like we're seeing all these more performance things. And health is not performance. When you look at performance, in my eyes, the number one athletes are going to be Olympic athletes. When you statistically look at the breakdown, they die before the average person because our body's not made to perform like that. It's literally gas pedal all day, every day. When that happens, you're going to blow up your engine. And in this case, you can't just go replace it. It's your brain, it's your body. And when your body's there, when your brain's stressed, everything in your body's stressed. So. And I think also there's gonna be some aspects that are unique to each individual. Um, God designed us all differently. Um, you know, we all have the same makeup, but at the same time, we all have a different outlook, different things like that. And God did that on purpose. Um, so, so spot on that, what you're saying, one of the coolest things in our office, and I'll give you an example, we have a seven-year-old little girl, Spectrum. Um, her mom's like, these are the three foods she eats, and she doesn't eat anything else, and she doesn't go to bathroom. And you're sending her like, well, it's because she's eating food-like products and not food. And she's a stressed out nervous system. So, you know, she's, not, she, you know, she's never going to actually, her body's not going to function like it should, because right now you're trying to put Mountain Dew in a pop, or in a car and make it run. That's not going to run. After we started getting her adjusted, her mom comes, she's like, why is she starting to want vegetables? Well, when your brain is stressed out, like your prefrontal cortex, where you're not even what's going to crave what a human would crave, now we're starting to see why. And that's what's the, one of the coolest things is when you can change your brain, you'll change everything. Mm -hmm. yes. And that is truly how when, when God communicates through us, he communicates through our brain. That's how we perceive, and that's the whole aspect of him touching us through our prefrontal cortex. So when someone's saying they're not hearing from God, that to me is how stressed out is your brain. And like, I know we're, we're skipping questions, but um, Ryan's practice is really root focused of like going to the root and just allowing our bodies to heal ourselves. And I can say after I had a freedom session, um, I was dealing with social anxiety. And so I was like, I want to go to the roots of that. And I went there and I got the truth and I saw Jesus. And just after my freedom session, we had um, people come over to our house and I literally felt myself try to shift back into that social anxiety, and I physically couldn't, because the tie was broken, and I couldn't do it anymore. So like, as you continue to go to the root of things, like getting adjusted, um, freedom, just all those things of allowing Jesus to go deep inside of it, is it inconvenient and painful? Yes, but as you keep doing it, you get to walk in that freedom, and you get to walk in that health, and you get to see the benefits that Jesus intends for us to have. Yeah. Um, number one thing is, I mean, if when God calls from existence, he makes in his image. God's perfect. Jesus is perfect. When our body's not functioning like it should, we have to take ownership. And when it's not a guilt trip, but it's just ownership. Mm -hmm. And I say this because... I was one of the most unhealthy people. I know what it feels like to literally, when I was a little kid, I've never told anyone this, when I was a little kid, how really bad I was, in my mind was, I sat there and I was like, I wish I could take scissors and literally just cut off my rolls. Because when you're sitting there as a little boy, you're like, I don't look at my friends. Why, like, they, they can eat whatever they want, they have a flat stomach. I have like a mountain. And you know, it, it, you know it's, it's funny, but it's just when the moment you're sitting here, you're just like, Man, like, what does that feel like? And, like, what does that do to a kid's psyche moving forward? And once again, because they didn't get, that wasn't a chance. I earned all of that. And that's me only saying, where I was, I didn't blame it on my mom. That mom, you fed me all this stuff. But saying, no, I chose to do what I did and not move. And unfortunately, that's the result I got. So it's just purely taking ownership and saying, hey, we're moving forward. And the coolest thing, one of the biggest things I've heard out there is how you guys look at yourself as a team, that's what help is. We are to literally do life together and encourage each other and come around each other and say, I don't need to know everything he might know, 
but I'm going to do what he does, and I'm going to just want to emulate my life after him. When I see someone like Jeremy, I'm like, I'm so like, no, I am jealous of Holly, you know, you're walking with Christ. I mean, I see you, you are just, I mean, you're, you're in my eyes, you are, I mean, Mike and Jordan kind of figure in terms of the whole, you're so Holy Spirit led. Like, I can't say, like, you know, enough, like, you know, good things about you. So when I see you, I'm just like, man, like, what does he do? Show, like, I want to see that pursuit. And because if it is a strong pursuit, which I'm sure it is, I want to then do that because then that's obviously what you are doing to get the results you have. But once again, it's not that do, but it's who you are. Yeah. And truly, it comes to changing who you are to get what you want. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the common denominator is always yourself. Yes. So the person looking in the mirror, that's the one you're feeling common to. Do you have any more questions? Little man. Small goals? So, first thing in the morning, make your bed. You have done, they have done studies, if you're like 80% more uh, successful, start with little goals. You're more make your uh, bed. productive. productive. <laughs> you're more productive throughout the day, you start by making your bed. Yeah. So, literally, start with the low hanging fruit. My goal is to wake up five minutes early, I'm going to make my bed, and I'm going to read my Bible. Perfect. Do those little things, and those little things will literally snowball off each other, and they become bigger things. And then it's like, Michael's drink five water, you know, five, I assume, like, you know, something, a kiddo isn't really focused on water, so it's like, I'm going to start drinking more water. Little things add up. Um, we want the massive things, because we want the massive results. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. In order for you to be different, you have to do the same thing over and over and over. That's the problem, is we are so fixated on the big difference that we miss the little things. And if you focus on the miraculous only and not understand the madness, you'll never get the miraculous. Yeah. We'll do one more question and then we'll get them out of here. Um, can you tell us in like two minutes or less how our bodies are made to heal themselves? Mm -hmm. So when you look at our bodies, when, if I were to tell you, Jeremy, go for a run right now around this place, what would naturally happen in your body? Blood pressure go up, heart rate go up, start being sweaty, start like all that. You, you, your lung capacity, lung capacity is just a common thing. Now, so all of that happens because there's organization. Go, Rock Jeremy. Oh, wait, yeah, right. I call it out all day. We want to see it. I call it out all So, it's literally looking at your body saying, okay, am I able to heal myself? So, we like put, put down a paper cut. There's anytime our body is. Our body's going through 40 trillion bits of information right now while you're sitting there. We are consciously aware of 40. Comprehend that. So right now you're making new blood cells. Your, your skin's replenishing. Your, your heart beats uh, You're digesting food. You're processing urine. Everything's going on. But can you feel it? Right. That is where one of the most frustrating things is we have people that think that they can outsmart the creator when it's like, you can't explain how two cells went to 10 trillion cells. That's what blows my mind. It's okay to say, I don't, God made us organized. There's not necessarily an equation for everything, especially uh, the fact that when you give the body what it needs, 